when it comes to real estate, we know there's always going to be a demand and there's certain things that will create a greater demand and you want to own supply when demand is high, right? That's that econ kind of that basic economics 101 kind of a situation. And so right now, with demand being incredibly high, we want to own supply. We want to own whatever real estate we can. It's an unbelievable time to be able to buy, but that's the problem. It's very difficult to be able to buy. What would your life look like if you could replace all of your working income with simple and conservative investments that could do it for you? Over the last 13 years, we've helped thousands of clients transact over half a billion dollars in simple and conservative real estate transactions, allowing them to begin replacing their work income with real estate investment income. Each week, we'll be pulling back the curtain on the ins and outs of real-time retirement-based real estate transactions that will transform your financial future, even if you have no real estate experience. This is Replace Your Income with me, Kevin Clayson. And Steve Earle. All right. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to Replace Your Income with me, Kevin. And of course, Steve Earle, I'm here with you. I'm excited to be here. here. (laughs) We're in the office together. We haven't been able to do that many podcasts where we're in an office together. So that's kind of exciting, right? Yeah, we've typically been uh, miles apart uh, while we do this, but uh, it's nice to kind of hang out and... uh, you know, have one of our conversations in person again. This is great. Well, and really, I'm just excited because there's a lot of Diet Coke here at the office, and it's easier for me to just go to the cooler and get Diet Coke than have to walk upstairs from where I record the podcast at home to go to my refrigerator. So really, it's just more, it's easier for me to record here. Well, I get it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, man, we are so excited to be with you guys. And uh, here, look, there's a couple things that I got to tell you I'm really excited for, Steve. Number one is I'm just going to let everybody know we have not been as consistent as we wanted to with the podcast because, frankly, and this speaks to the topic of today, which is demand is incredibly high right now. Everybody is crazy busy. There is more demand for real estate right now than we've seen almost ever. But the problem is that supply is also really low. So we've been scrambling. And so Steve and I set a bunch of time aside today to do a number of episodes so that we can release episodes consistently for you. And and you've got content that you can consume. Uh, I've heard from many of you saying, hey, where's that next podcast? And so I'm sorry, but Steve, we're trying to repent here, aren't we? Yeah, no, I, I'm glad to be back on track and be having these conversations on a regular basis again. And I'm just, I'm just excited to be talking about these different topics with you in particular. I mean, we're talking about this stuff all day, every day with our clients. We're in our meetings. In fact, last week on a weekly basis, we have a leadership meeting here with, with our team. And there's some pretty exciting things going on, you know, in the company, but there are some really exciting things going on in the market. Yeah. And and so I've been really anxious to to talk to everybody out there driving along, listening to the podcast, and to share some of the insights that we have and to share what's going on in the market because it actually is is really exciting stuff. Yeah, it really is. And and <laughs> this is why I'm excited that we're gonna be recording more consistently too, because There's a lot of stuff, like if you're listening, you need to know what's going on right now. Like there's a lot of things that are happening in the market and uh, if you're maybe not plugged in and you're not watching it every single day and all you're doing is kind of maybe reading an article from time to time, you may not know, maybe you know, maybe you've got real estate agent friends or something like that that are kind of telling you what's going on, but 
There's a lot of things happening right now as a result of continual low mortgage interest rates and the COVID pandemic and this incredibly tight and ridiculously in-demand housing market. And so we kind of want to talk to that. And today, what I really want to talk about, Steve, is we want to talk about what is, why is the market so tight and what are some of the things you need to be aware of understanding that the market is incredibly tight and demand is incredibly high? Yeah, and, and we'll we'll talk to some of those specifics. And this topic in and of itself is a really important topic because real estate pricing, appreciation, rent values, it really is all a function of supply and demand. And so, you know, as we kind of jump into this topic and discuss uh, what's going on in the market, what some of the experts out there are saying, and then of course, what our boots on the ground, what our experience as a company is telling us, um, there, there's some real good things that that I'm expecting to happen this year, really kind of happening in the face of what some of the gurus have been saying, you know, yeah. out there that we're going to have a crash in 2021 right, right. based on the fact that there's six point something million, you know, properties that had late payments this month, in fact. And I want to address that just a little bit and how, you know, and explain what's going on with that and the fact that that. I don't think is necessarily going to lead to a bunch of foreclosures. Yeah. And even if there are a bunch of foreclosures, I, w- I want to kind of address that as well and what the opportunity may or may not be. Yeah, I think it's really critical. And, you know, so I took economics. I only took one economics class. And I think I, maybe I've mentioned this on the podcast. But only t- I only took one economics class in college, and it was Econ 110 at Brigham Young University. And I had I was going up to the Salt Lake City Center where I was having this class because I heard that the Econ 110 teacher here in Provo was really tough, and I'm not trying to have a hard teacher. So I went to the Salt Lake City Center because Econ was not my thing, right? I was a political science major. And I had this professor, she was from Thailand, and she was awesome, as well as incredibly hard to understand. But I'll tell you what I remember, okay? So I went through that whole class, I did fairly well, but there was really only two main ideas that I remember from my college experience in economics. And these are two that have honestly had a profound impact on me as I look at real estate, as I look at money. And and one, I think really helps us with how we, um, I think, run businesses, which is people respond to incentive. I never will forget that, that that was an economic principle that I hadn't really considered. But the other was the supply and demand curve. It was like I finally wrapped my mind around the idea of a supply and demand curve. And and I always think of it like this. So when it comes to real estate, we know there's always going to be a demand and there's certain things that will create a greater demand and you want to own supply when demand is high, right? That's that econ kind of that basic economics 101 kind of a situation. And so right now, with demand being incredibly high, we want to own supply. We want to own whatever real estate we can. It's an unbelievable time to be able to buy, but that's the problem. It's very difficult to be able to buy. And just to give you an idea, so Steve, the the whole thing that kind of sparked this topic was right around my daughter's birthday, I found this article on CNBC. And here here was the name of the article, okay? bidding wars are off the charts as home listings fall to a record low. And and I'm like, oh, okay, bidding wars off the charts. Homes fall to a record low. So I start to read the article. And Steve, you and I live in the Salt Lake Valley, right? We're in Utah. We're in Utah County, but um, we, we live near Salt Lake. And do you know, do you, I know you know, because I told you, but 
the number one most competitive market in the country right now is what? Salt Lake? Salt Lake City, where nine out of 10 offers faced competition, according to a survey that they did. By the way, uh, backing up Salt Lake City was San Diego as the next highest, Bay Area as the next highest, Denver, and then Seattle. But by comparison, San Diego, so in Salt Lake, nine out of 10 offers are facing competition. In San Diego, like less than eight out of 10 offers are facing competition. So uh, Salt Lake is incredibly hot. So Steve, what is happening? Why is this taking place? Yeah. Well, and, and just to, to add really quickly to, uh, to what you're talking about, you know, it, across the nation, um, in every state, we're seeing this. It's just, it's more exaggerated in some states than, than others. And in the markets where we buy Tennessee, Florida, Indiana, um, and North Carolina, we're seeing much of the same thing, where if you take a look at number of properties on the MLS, the multiple listing service, versus the ratio of population. For example, in the the Metro Orlando area, you know, there's a total of 2,700 homes right now uh, currently available on the MLS. Now, of course, there's some for sale by owners. There's pocket listings. There's you know there there's other inventory that that's available, but it's 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 pretty minimal. And so when you think of a population of several million people. And there's only 2,700 homes generally available. That, that's a pretty tight market. And you end up, you know, having a situation where you might have a lot of uh, multiple offers. Well, so let me talk to your question real quickly. It's like, what, what's going on? Why is this happening? And the fact that this is happening is one of the, it, like a year ago, as COVID was hitting and the so-called experts out there in the media were saying, hey, we're going to have another massive crash. There's going to be all these bad things happening. And I remember you and I like sitting in this office talking to each other. And I, I was saying to you, like, Kevin, I just don't see that. Yeah. Yeah. You because totally were, you were that you were I, 100% Steve. Cause I was kind of buying into some of the hype, like, Oh my gosh, let me think about this. And you from the jump were kind of like, I don't really see that taking place. And I admired that. And by the way, it's proven itself out. You've kind of been a real estate profit in that sense. Cause you called it, man. Well, I mean, it, it's not that I have any you know, like genius knowledge or insight. It's just that it's a crystal ball, right? Because you have that crystal ball. Well, Is remember that... last year I dropped and I oh. broke it. Oh yeah, like, that's right. I haven't been able to foretell the future for quite some time, <laughs> Kevin. It's been years. So I mean, but it, but in this scenario, just looking at, at just the basics, right? The basic information of supply and demand in that moment in time, we knew that there was already a, a major you know, supply issue of single family homes. I mean, since the great recession, we have fallen behind in inventory for affordable single family homes because builders essentially stopped building. Like the big builders, they really you know, put the brakes on building, building new homes. And so as a result, you know, the population continued to increase. People you know, are, are young people in the country began getting to that age where they were going to st start families and, and wanting and would need to buy, you know, properties and so on. And then of course, just, you know, the day-to-day -day operations of this business and seeing what was going on, Yeah, that inventory was slightly limited and that demand was going to continue to increase. And there were some really great articles. And, and, and I think that uh, there were a lot of people, certainly I wasn't the only one that got it right, but there were a lot of people out there who, you know, there was one article that came out that uh, very distinctly showed that there was a 10-year supply deficit Crazy. of affordable single-family homes 
for investors, not just for primary home yeah, owners or right. home buyers, but for the investor, there was going to be a shortage. So like all of the signs pointed to the fact that that this was going on. And and so, you know, before we knew that that interest rates were going to drop, right. before we knew that COVID was going to be what it was going to be, because everybody, you know, the government was was telling us that this was going to be over in a few months and yeah. it wasn't going to be a big deal um, at this point last year anyways. Sure. Um, before we knew all of the different ramifications of what COVID was going to bring to the table. By the way, I think this time last year, we were also told that you shouldn't wear masks. So I think things changed a little bit. Well, now now we're supposed to wear two masks. So, or three, or three. I think three is best. Well, th- which is why I wear five. <laughs> I, I like the, an abundance of caution. Yes. Okay. <laughs> so at the end of the day, anyways, the, the writing was on the wall, and and we've we've uh, addressed this on a few different podcasts. The fact that we're actually in this kind of a perfect storm. Yeah. For investors. Yeah, totally. And so we've got this really interesting scenario, and kind of that question, right? Like. What's going on? Like, why is demand so high? And just to give you an idea, we were talking about Salt Lake as being, and some of those other markets as really in high demand. I was looking at this same CNBC article that just came out recently said that over half of all buyers, so like almost 60% of all buyers were facing bidding wars on their offers. I was just, uh, I was at J-Dog Saturday night. My family, we went up to the aquarium and we were coming back. We always stop at J-Dogs. For those of you that don't live in Utah, when you come to Utah, go get a J-Dog, okay? Let me just put it out there. Best hot dogs on the planet. And I ran into a buddy of mine and he's an agent. And uh, he was just, we were just talking, you know, we chat a little bit from time to time. And he was like, yeah, man, real estate. I was like, how's it going? How's your business? He's like, it's awesome. I just need more sellers. And I was like, what? You need more sellers? He's like, I got buyers coming out of my ears. But he said, he said his last listing, he got 29 offers within almost immediately when this home got listed and it ended up closing for 40 or 50 above asking price, right? Which is crazy, but that's just the reality of what we're seeing. And so the question is, why is demand so high? Why is competition so crazy and so fierce? There's a few things that are kind of driving this demand. One of them we alluded to, which is people are wanting to stay at home more. Right. And so people are going and we've talked about it on the podcast. You know, people are saying, I want to go buy a property or I want to go rent a property or whatever that I don't have to live in major metropolitan fill in the blank. I can live in the suburbs. So there's this increased demand, um, kind of this stay at home culture that's taking place. And then that was in it. That was on top of the already low inventory that you were talking about, Steve. And then you also mentioned there's been a, it's kind of been lackluster in terms of home building, right? Because when COVID hit, there was all these question marks. And so building wasn't necessarily keeping up. There was a bunch of projects around here that it seemed like came to a screeching halt. And so building wasn't happening if there's so you have population increases building isn't happening the way you thought and then there's increased demand with people moving out of major metropolitan areas then that's fueled by these record low interest rates where people could be more aggressive than they've ever been and if they're thinking about selling their property to buy a new property and they know the demand is high they might be able to list their own property for more than they thought which gives them more money to be able to buy a new property which allows them to be even more aggressive so there's all of this stuff that's simply kind of contributing to this really high demand right now so a fantastic explanation kevin of of what's going on and that's the why behind you know, what we're seeing today. And, you know, just to illustrate that just a little bit, um, I was I was chatting with one of our clients last week who put a great property uh, on a contract in Memphis. And what's interesting is 
typically in a normal market, your appraisal is typically going to come in, you know, right at appraisal. And in this market today, it's very, very difficult because appraisers are, they're always a little bit behind the curve because they're trying to keep up with the increase in, yeah. in prices. And, and, uh, this, this client of ours, he's very fortunate. Uh, he actually, his appraisal came in $5,000 above appraisal, which, which is very, very rare. Yeah. Uh, what's happening more often than not, even with, uh, our appraisals, uh, well, the appraisals that are given by these third party independent contractors is that they're coming in low and, um, he was, he was, anyways, we were talking about this and he was telling me about his, his son who lives in Tennessee mm. and, uh, his son had, had placed multiple, multiple offers, I close to 20 offers and still hadn't been able to put one under contract. Crazy. So when you talk about controlling supply, yes. meaning you want to be the owner, yes. right? First and foremost, that is, that's, that's a huge key. But secondly, you want to have, you know, some degree or semblance of control over available supply. Yeah. And, and that's one of the things that, that I feel like we've, we've uh, fortunately been able to do over the years is we've been able to build some really strong relationships with some incredible suppliers, uh, individuals who are in the know, who have great relationships with builders, uh, with rehab crews, with flippers, with uh, other real estate agents that when they get a listing before they even put it on the market, they'll come to our team yeah. and because they know the quality of our clients and the right. buyers. Like um, one of the important things is that as a company over the years is that we close on a super high percentage of super every high, property yeah. that ever goes on our contract. And so we've been able to build a really strong reputation with all of these different uh, groups and uh, with our teams in the market, which gets us inventory when otherwise other people aren't, you know, aren't getting opportunities. And even, even as such, uh, we are still even in, in some situations, many situations in multiple offers type scenarios, but having the reputation and having our agents in place who are well-known gives us a leg up in those multiple offer situations. Uh, For instance, I recently uh, put a property under contract. Uh, We're closing on it this week in Indianapolis and it was a multiple offer type situation. And I had to offer um, several thousand dollars more. But one of the things that you can do in this type of a scenario is you can put kind of a gap stop and you can say, hey, I'm willing to pay, you know, $5,000 over appraised value. Um, and so when you do that, you can kind of put a, a you know, a limit on it. So, it's, you know, you don't get stuck in a, in, in a very tough position, but that's what I did. But I bid Let's see, I bid $9,000 over asking price. Yeah, wow. At the end of the day, the property, my offer was $199. It appraised mm-hmm. for $185. So I'm getting it for $190. I'm coming to the table with the, with the extra yeah. five. Right. But what's cool in that scenario is I'm actually getting the home for $9,000 less than I actually offered it. And at the $199, the numbers worked just fine. Nice. But the point that I want to make is that they had other offers upwards of Two ten, so about wow. ten thousand dollars more yeah. than my offer, but they accepted my offer because it was associated with done for you real estate, sure. and they knew that I was going to be able to p- perform. That I would, I would, in fact, come to the table with a little bit more money if the, if the property didn't didn't appraise. So, having said, when you talked about when you said the words control supply, I immediately went to the concept of yes, you want to own the properties as the owner, but from a supply available supply standpoint when you work with a group like ours and there's other companies like ours that are in, in a similar position, they've built good relationships, organizations like ours, we're able to get supply that you otherwise wouldn't be able to get. 
Yeah, 100%. And, you know, a couple thoughts that I had as you were talking there. So this is the benefit of a strategy, right? Like a real implementable, is that a word? Let's assume it is. Implementable strategy that you know has a track record, right? So when you when we look at homes, right, at Done For You Real Estate, and, and our teams in the field, when they are when we're evaluating properties, like it checks the boxes. We know it's going to fit the parameters for a successful investment or should be a successful investment over the long run. There's never any guarantees. But by doing so, you should, like if you're working with our company and you know that you're only seeing properties that are vetted and that kind of check all the boxes, that you're not gonna get something that's kind of, you know, is way off the rails, you should be submitting offers right away and you should be taking the advice of your agents. Like if you're working, regardless of who you are, regardless of where you are, regardless of how you're investing in real estate, if you're working with a good agent that understands the market, take their advice. You know, don't don't haggle with them. I would say, you know, if they're like, hey, look, we should probably come in with an offer above asking price. Don't be that guy or that girl that's like, no, I refuse it because you'll probably lose the deal. And, and by the way, I, the other thought that I had, Steve, was another reason just to kind of come back to limited supply is part of the reason why there haven't been as many sellers, I think also, is because there's a lot of people that are hesitant to list and sell their property during COVID. They maybe don't want people walking into their home, right? They're like, ah, I'm gonna wait a little bit. Or you've got sellers that are going, well, sure seems like the market's going up, up, up. Maybe I just wanna wait a few months because then I can collect more. And so that's just another one of those contributing factors to a limited supply. So the moral of the story for me is if you can find supply, because demand is so high, you should be taking incredible and swift action. And to speak to this idea, because then that always brings up the question, okay, well, gosh, I mean, if the market's going up or, you know, is it overinflated? Is the market going to collapse? Is the market going to crash? And let's just touch on that briefly, Steve, because while we don't have the crystal ball, as you indicated earlier, because it broke, um, I, I one of the things that I look at when I think of why would somebody want to dive into this market is if you look at what took place in like 2009, 2010, what led to the Great Recession is you had these really kind of janky and and sort of unbelievably flexible lending standards. There, frankly, there were no standards, right? It was like Fogamir, get a loan. And so it, it, what happened is there was a lot more money out there available to people to be able to go and invest in real estate that frankly they shouldn't have qualified for because the mortgage environment at that time was such that you did you barely had to qualify. Like you just had to say, no, I promise this is how much money I make. And, and then they would give you a loan, right? You didn't even have to at that time. There were times you didn't even have to prove that you had the assets available to be able to close on real estate. It was like, tell me how much you make, tell me what you want, and then you know, you'll get a loan because money was so readily available. Well, that meant you had a bunch of non-qualifier folks that shouldn't be very qualified that were buying real estate that they shouldn't have afforded. So then when times got tough, they couldn't afford those mortgage payments. Yes, there are people missing payments right now. I get that. But at the same time, you look at the environment since the Great Recession, lending guidelines have been so much more strict so that you should take confidence that everybody that's been buying for the last 10 years has had to be incredibly well qualified. Sure, scenarios can change, people can lose jobs, et cetera, et cetera, and COVID demonstrated that better than ever, but it's not the same kind of environment. It's a different type of environment. We are now seeing that we've got jobs coming back. We're seeing that that you know there are some, some turns economically. We're seeing this increased demand in the real estate market. It is an entirely 
different scenario than what we saw in the lead up to the Great Recession. So don't put it in the same category would, I guess, be kind of, you know, the thought or the advice there, right? Yeah, no, you're, you're, you're spot on. And I, I say this often, um, interest rates have never been lower than they are today, but it's never been harder to get a loan. There are all kinds of overlays and all kinds of additional, you know, requirements to get a loan today as well. So, um, you know, in today's market, you know, if you have the ability to to purchase real estate, you're a very well qualified, you know, individual, especially on on the investment side. Uh, you know, the requirements are a little bit more lax if it's if it's a primary residence in terms of amounts of down payment and that kind of a thing. But but it, it still requires you know significant hurdles to to overcome. So at the end of the day, the market is it's strong. We believe that uh, the future of the market is going to continue to be strong. We anticipate that, uh, you know, all the indicators out there, again, we don't, we don't try to be, you know, prognosticators or to know what the market's going to do, but, but all of the indications would suggest that, uh, interest rates are going to be, you know, fairly stable. They may go, they may fluctuate a little bit. Um, they may go up, they may go down, but they'll, they'll probably be very favorable for the foreseeable future, just based on, you know, where the economy is at and what's going on. And uh, so interest rates good. Supply is going to continue to be tight. Builders are getting after it. In fact, there there are a number of builders who have like stopped selling. They're continuing to build, but they're just kind of riding it themselves, right? Yeah. They're literally just waiting a few more more months right. so they can they you can know get a little bit more. more or whatever. <laughs> exactly. <yeah. laughs> so if if you're able to to get a, a home, you know, under contract sooner than later, you should be excited and you should try hard to do that. And the market's going to do what it's going to do. At the end of the day, the market determines, right? Anything that we say is meaningless in That's terms right. of, yeah. of being able to affect or influence what, influence what the market is doing. My wife also lets me know that most things I say are meaningless, kind of in general. <laughs> um, my kids, I think, have alluded to that as well. So yeah, what we say is meaningless, correct? Yeah. Sure. In, in many different <laughs> ways. But uh, what I would say is very meaningful is, is the fact that this I call it the perfect storm. It, it truly is just a fantastic time to be buying and to uh, to be jumping into real estate and then hanging on and uh, taking advantage of what's what's going on. Back in the Great Recession, I wish I would have could have done more. And in this current scenario, I've literally said to myself, "It's like I I can't miss out on this opportunity." Yeah. I'm grateful for all of the you know the the company properties, Kev, that we've bought in the yeah. last couple of years. Right. I'm like, holy cow! What a, that like that was a perfect time to be yeah. to be buying. And it's like a shade tree, right? Yeah. When's the the perfect time to plant a, cha- a shade tree? Twenty years That's ago. Right. When's the next best time? Today. Today. And it and we're in that situation. And as such, you know, I've uh, you know from a personal standpoint, I've really jumped uh, back into that arena. And I'm getting after it and taking advantage of that opportunity. And the company also is continuing to to do that as well. And obviously, we're we're continuing to really uh, work hard to help our clients do the exact same thing. Yeah. And so here's the deal, guys. If you can get uh, your hands on some of this supply where this demand's really high, you ought to take advantage of it. By the way, just side note, appreciation. Um, that same article that I was mentioning said that uh, you know home prices had appreciated at a double digit rate each week for 26 straight weeks leading into January of 2021. So that means that the median list price for a home was up like 13% compared to January 2020. And appreciation is one of those things. We never know if we're going to get it. If we get it, we're really excited for it. 
But if you look at economic indicators and supply and demand, it kind of indicates that demand is it stays high and supply remains low, it's going to have this upward pressure on pricing. It's why we love real estate as kind of a hedge against inflation. The stock market may be raging. Cryptocurrency may be raging. The two things that they don't have that I think we do, why we like real estate, real estate is bricks and mortar, right? It, it, it is tangible in nature. It is a different beast. And uh, there has never been a time in history, Steve, isn't this fair to say, there has never been a time in history when a real estate collapse did not correct itself and then exceed where it was prior to the collapse, right? Yeah, to date, I'm not. To date. (laughs) I mean, yes, prices are higher today than at the beginning of the establishment of this country. Yeah, and so that's, I, I think about that all the time, right? I don't know the future, but if I were to go off some historical precedent, I'd have to say, look, I think we're in a good position. So guys, hope that this was helpful. We wanted you to know that the market is really tight, that supply is really low and demand is really high. And so whatever you could do to take advantage of that demand, you ought to be doing it. Listen, if you're part of the DFY family already and you are considering buying homes, if you're looking at properties, put offers out, okay? This is not one of those scenarios where at this point, you don't get to sit back and and wait for the 23rd property to come across before you consider making an offer. You will lose out. Well, and I was just gonna say, Kevin, and as far as like the correct steps, get in contact with us. We'll get you in touch with your account account executive, uh, Nathan or Rodney. And recently uh, we hired a a new account executive, um, Adam. And uh, they will get you uh, set up. They'll get you originated. They'll get you rolling forward and take advantage of the organization and the ability that we have to access properties. And I would say too, if you've been nibbling around the edges, you've been listening to this podcast, thank you so much. If you've not yet jumped in and this is part of the research you're doing, we're here to tell you that that now would be the time to at least investigate seeing whether or not real estate ought to be a part of your future just because of everything we talked about today. So hopefully this episode was beneficial. It was good to be back on the microphone. Uh, any last thoughts before we sign off for today, Steve? No, Kevin, nothing other than just, it just feels good to get back on the microphone. It does. And to, uh, you know, have this conversation. And I want to, just a shout out to um, Steve's wordplay today. Uh, We got prognosticator, which, uh, and prognosticate, which is a real word, unlike mine, which was uh, something like impactifulable, or I don't know what my, I made up a word. And then Steve also had some really good wordplay with meaningful and meaningless. I really enjoyed that as well. So we've got the wordsmith on the mic right over across the desk from me. And I am excited to be back on as well. So we will sign off for now and we'll see you next week. Take care. Thanks so much for listening to Replace Your Income with Steve and Kevin. If you're not subscribed already, be sure to head over to your favorite podcasting platform and do that now. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd love it if you could do us a quick favor and rate and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts. This lets the platform know that we're doing something right and that people like the content. It'd be a huge help and we would be super grateful. Also, be sure to head over to dfy-realestate.com and request your free income replacement estimate. We'll jump on a quick call and put a free and personalized income replacement estimate report together for you. Your report will show you a step-by-step plan of how you can begin replacing your income one property at a time, starting right away with the resources you already have. It only takes a few minutes, but could change the trajectory of your entire financial future. So until next time, just remember, income replacement for you and your family may only be one property away. See you next week.